Another exciting edition of the Goody Reader Radio Show. We've taken a bit of a hiatus, but we're going to bring the show back uh, every week and talk about uh, the most important events in the e-reader, e-book, and audiobook space. Uh, let's just jump right into e-readers, shall we? We've just reviewed the Pocketbook Inkpad 3. This is a brand new e-reader, pretty well like one of the first of 2018 to be uh, released. It's dual-core processor. 1 gig of RAM, 8 gigs of internal storage. It's the first e-reader from Pocketbook to go beyond 6 inches in many years. This one's 7.8 inches, so it's firmly competing against uh, the Tolino Epos as well as uh, the Kobo Aura 1. This one's made of plastic. The overall design is a bit flimsy, but it makes it really lightweight. It has 19 LED lights, 10 white, 9 orange. It's using sort of that um, comfort light, smart light system that you could mute the bright white color of the frontlit display. It's meant to be easier on the eyes so you can read up in the, the dark. We're going to be posting reviews and unboxing videos uh, pretty shortly. So if you want to see uh, what that's all about, you can check out our front page or just go to goodyreader.com and click on reviews. Or you can even visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash goodyreader. Sony is developing a brand new e-reader. It's called the DPT-CP1, which means that this is a digital paper. And I believe the new moniker of the CP1 means it's going to be a smaller device. Not much is known about it at this time, but I have a feeling it's, you know, Sony's done like two generations of 13.3. Uh, I believe that it's time for them to release a smaller device because uh, digital paper is pretty well just aimed at like, business users, schools, the entertainment industry, lawyers and law firms. It's the type of people that aren't just buying one. They're buying between like 10, 100 or more. And if you're buying 13.3s, they can get pretty expensive. Whereas if Sony releases a smaller one, which I believe that they're doing here, it's going to be more economically feasible them to the, to market like bulk packages and sales because they're in essence paying less money. Uh, the digital paper on its own, you know, anywhere between like six ninety nine and eight ninety nine, it's pretty expensive. If they do like a a ten point three, a nine point seven, and they're competing against like the Remarkable, uh, the Onyx Book Note, and other companies like that, uh, they could be honest something here because Sony has that brand name that. When you think of Sony, I mean, they've been in the game for so long that they're synonymous with quality. And a lot of people come to trust, like, their brand. Um, all we know about is that there's an FCC application that they filled out. 
Um, the embargo for the images and the specs uh, expire in six months, so probably any time from now to six months, we'll see this being commercially released. It'll probably hit Japan first, like normal, and then a few months later, it'll hit uh, the U.S., it's in mass production. Nectronics is actually the company that's making it. Uh, speaking of the Onyx book note, this e-reader is going to be released next week. And I really am digging this. I mean, quad-core processor, 2 gigs of RAM, 10.3-inch screen, Android 6.0 with Google Play. I mean, this e-reader is going to really have it all. And I'm really stoked about it. Uh, it's been sent out to us for review. Uh, it just got sent out yesterday, so I'm expecting Friday or maybe Tuesday at the latest we'll actually have it. So early next week, you can expect a review on the front page of our blog as well as unboxing and review videos. Now, I mentioned unboxing and review videos, and um, I kind of feel like our production values have leveled up. You know, um, if... Goody Reader was like, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons character. We'd probably be like level 10 by now. Um, we've been producing like digital content for our channel since like 2008. And I kind of laugh sometimes because people are commenting on like our earliest videos. And like, you know, you guys have come a long way and I watched them and it's like, we didn't have studio lights. We had a lamp. And we put the lamp on a glass table and we put like a wrinkled tea towel underneath it in order to like block all my books and stuff like below it. And, uh, and then, you know, we invested in like proper studio lights. Now, these are like tripod mounted professional lights with shutters. 600 watt lights that were like literally two feet from us and after like filming two or three videos in our small little studio it got so hot in there even in the winter time that we had to stop filming open up the door and like go outside and take like a breather in the summertime when it got to like 30 celsius like during the days it would get up to like 50 just with those lights on and to give you sort of an indication, I live in Vancouver, and we do like a lot of movies and television shows here, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Logan, Deadpool 2, I mean, a lot of the biggest Marvel films are, are, are filmed here, uh, or at least like a lot of like their scenes are shot here, and they have our lights, <laughs> for the most part, like illuminating um you know, if they do, like, nighttime shoots, obviously they have, like, lights so that the, the character is illuminated and his general surroundings are illuminated, but it's kind of, like, set to be darkness. But it's kind of funny that they're using these lights that are so far, but they're illuminating the characters so well that we had to invest in, like, better lights. So we got recently, I think in November, we got these, like, LED lights that are only 30 watt and they emit like no heat at all. So it's kind of taking us a little bit of trials to get like the lighting set up right. And then probably around like October of last year, we also upgraded our camera from just like, you know, an interchangeable lens camera. It was like a bit older into like a prosumer, like Sony, like camera that interchangeable lenses it has all these features that um we don't even know how to work and peter went to film school like the study film but a lot of this stuff is like so new that we have like no idea so we're still in that trial and, and error stage but i feel like if you look at 
videos that we did at the beginning of 2017 and then videos that we've done in 2018 and at the tail end of 2017, you'll see that like our overall video production uh, quality has dramatically improved. And I really like it because it, we're able to customize it. So when we do like unboxings and reviews, we have like one kind of setup that we do. And then when Peter and I or just myself are, are on camera sort of writing down the biggest stories of the week, sort of, um, you know, sort of like a news story a news uh, segment we set it up so it's totally different so we're changing like the white balance and everything like that and it's catching the attention of people I mean we just got invited to go to Digital Book World and this is an event that's been happening for like you know, six, seven years. Uh, it's always happened in New York. And then in 2017, Digital Book World was sold by FNW Media, F plus W Media to like another company. And he moved it from New York to Nashville. So uh, in October, this is when the first event is like happening. And Digital Book World's usually occurred in January in the past. Like if you ever read a uh, you know, our, like our, our website or other websites like Publishers Weekly, uh, they would often be there in New York because they're based in New York and report on all the events and stuff like that. But it's gone to Nashville this time, uh, which is closer for a lot of those Midwestern states like Chicago and stuff to get to. It's not too far from New York. It's a little far from Vancouver. Uh, but then again, anything that's not on the West Coast is pretty far, like a five or six hour flight. Uh, but yeah, we were invited to set up our YouTube studio uh, right in the Central Hall. Lights, chairs, um, you know, mics and everything like that. And we're going to be interviewing uh, all of the movers and shakers uh, in the publishing business and talking about ebooks and audiobooks, uh, the intersection between uh, digital media and like uh, traditional media. Uh, we're going to be talking with like Amazon, all like the big five publishers, uh, everyone involved in like startups and everything like that. So, uh, we're, we're going to do that and it's going to be occurring sometime, I believe in October. And so we're kind of stoked about setting that all up. And I was tapped to lead a discussion, um, the itinerary and everything like that for the events, not set in stone yet. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but probably something about audiobooks because I've been publishing these like, you know, 12,000 word three months to research like articles once a year on like audiobooks trends and analysis been doing it for like four or five years and uh, you know i talked to like everybody dude like who are ever involved in like libraries like overdrive and 3m and baker and taylor and rb digital to uh like audiobook retailers like audiobooks.com audible um you know everyone involved in that to the, like the, the public, like the, whoever are the companies that are publishing these sort of things. So audible for original content, uh, penguin random house, Harper audio, um, you know, Hachette audio. I talked to like everybody. So it, it's cool because my pieces are less about, yeah, this is what's happening in the audiobook industry, but you're, you're hearing like what these companies are actually doing that in the words of like the, the people who are running these divisions. So it's like when I talk to like the president of like Harper audio or Hachette audio, I'm talking like to the president of the entire division. So it's something that is, hasn't really been done in the audiobook industry um, like ever, no one's really 
publishing these sort of things, not even like for paid money. Um, and I've seen like a lot of like ebook and e-reader reports occur lately where Google, my Google news feeds being spammed about these like $3,900 reports. And I got like a segment of it. And most of it's just in stuff that I've written on the blog, like these big reports I issue for free. They like, do a little bit of rewriting and then they're like charging like $2,900 for them. I, I think that's just kind of shady. That's like, you know, I've been running this blog from, for like, since like 2007, when the year, the very first Kindle came out, like when I saw the Kindle, I was like, okay, this is the future of reading. So started up Goody Reader, started talking about the Kindle. Kobo came into it with like their e-reader. I'm like, Oh my god. And then Barnes and Noble started to do it. Then all these like European brands started doing e-readers. I remember going to CES in 2006, no e-readers. 2007, no e-readers. 2008 to 9, e-readers up the ass. It was sort of like what's sort of happening with the internet of things. Um like augmented reality, uh, virtual reality. I mean, there was nothing. And then it's just within a year everybody's just like involved in it. And who would have thought, you know, in 2007 that e-readers would have been so huge that e-books went from, like, nothing to, like, 20% of publishers, like, revenue? It's people are just making a ton of money in this field, and it's, like, it's kind of really great at the same time because, like, we've been covering it since, like, the very beginning of, like, there was no e-readers, there was no e-books, or, I mean, there was the Kindle, but there was no really, like, e-books, and then... You know, within like three or four years, it just like it totally exploded. So, do you know what uh, like Goody Reader is all about? Hopefully, you're like a regular reader here. Uh, we publish between like five and seven stories a day. We have like two or three staff writers, as well as like people who once in a while do like guest posts, like for us. People who are just in the business and and have like an opinion to write, and um. We do, like, discussion-type things, like, what do you think? Do you think that the Kindle and their claims that it's easier on the eyes, is there a marketing gimmick or is there something to it? And then, you know, people just, like, weigh in their comments and uh, we sort of, like, write a primer on, like, what e-paper technology is, what frontline technology is, what Amazon claims, here's what some research and reports have said, and then people sort of, like, weigh in. So... We sort of do things like that, but primarily we cover e-reader hardware, e-reader news, uh, e-books and audiobooks for sure, and then to a lesser degree on like digital manga, uh, what's happening with like Alexa, because like voice assistants I think are huge, but only in their respects that they narrate audiobooks, they'll uh, narrate e-books into an audiobook and things like that. I think that there's something kind of really interesting about that. What do you guys think about, um, do you think like ebooks will be around in like 10 years or so? I've been kind of wrestling with this lately and I, I kind of don't know what, what to think because like within a decade, e ebooks went from like nothing to something huge and, 
uh, you know, you'll always see that ebooks are declining, and you know, perhaps they are. It's sort of really hard to say because so many ebooks don't have like IBS, ISBN numbers, especially Amazon represents such a huge segment of the ebook sales, but they don't publicly divulge sales. Uh, they don't say, oh, we sold this many ebooks a year. And then, you know, some people like uh, Data Guy, um, and Hugh Howey, they could they scrape Amazon sales and they could say, yeah, this many romance titles were sold this year, this many of this, this many of that. And they could actually monitor sales from non-ISBN numbers. But when you, you look at like Nielsen and BookScan and like all these other companies that are officially tracking digital books from major publishers with ISBN numbers, uh, retail channels and everything like that. A lot of people look at that and they'll say, oh yeah, eBooks decline 8%, 16%, uh, et cetera. But then they're not counting Amazon sales or non-ISBN sales, which contribute a huge amount. So it's kind of unknown at this point if eBooks are declining. Uh, a lot of headlines will lead you to believe, but I don't really think that's the case. But suffice to say, I mean, where are eBooks going to go in a decade from now? I mean, are we going to be reading in virtual reality? Is AR going to play a huge point in that? You know, when you're waiting for, like right now, there are, you know, if you live in a bigger city, you take like the subway, you take the bus, you, you go to work. And once in a while, you see an e-reader and you'll be like, yeah, you know, you'll kind of nod your head and maybe you'll kind of like give them a little smile. Maybe you'll even say something to them. But everyone is reading on their smartphones because it's the thing that's in our pocket. Everyone has a phone to get calls, to get texts, to stay in touch, uh, meetings and all that type of stuff. But it's still, you know, phones are getting bigger. They're getting bulkier. I mean, I heard a rumor that the like the new iPhone uh, that's coming out this year is going to be close to 6.7 inches. And that's almost as big as like a fire tablet that's seven inches. Imagine having that in your pocket. It's huge. So I was kind of thinking about, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to get to that point in a decade? Because obviously a decade, we're not going to like be plugging in data jacks into our heads or like, you know, having like words drawn on our eyes with like retinas, you know, this isn't like those sort of futuristic Netflix shows or anything like that, or like Blade Runner. But are we still going to be like just reading a paperback book? Like, you know, hardcover book, is that how we're going to read? Are we still going to be reading on our smartphone a decade from now? Or are books going to be available in our, our glasses? Because why pull a, a big bulky, like, you know, a thousand twenty, you know, $1,200 iPhone, and then you drop into screen breaks to wearing your pair of prescription glasses that are, you can see everything, but then there's like text that you could just read or virtual reality you know i kind of think that like there's something to virtual reality like not all of us can travel not of us can afford to travel but like going to a big library in rome or going to paris 
or checking out Shakespeare and Co. in New York and walking into a total recreation of a bookstore, grabbing a book from the shelf, just clicking on it, buying it for like six ninety nine, and then like, you know, with virtual reality or something like that, you know, okay, I want to read this book. Let's go to Japan and sit um, as all the cherry trees are blooming and you cherry trees like the flowers are flowing everywhere and you're just sitting there curled up reading a book. I mean, I think that that's the future. It's it's virtual reality. And right now, I mean, if you look at it, they're big goggles that are tied into your computer. And then Oculus Go and a few other type of platforms are getting streamlined. You no longer have to plug them into your computer. They have hardware and everything built into it that you could actually be portable, but you still have to be around like Wi-Fi. 5G Wi-Fi is like around the corner. You've probably heard all about that. That's sort of like built around the internet of things and virtual reality and like general. I think that what is going to be interesting is how well received that ready player one movie is that's coming out uh, next month because that whole movie is like pretty well a virtual reality like manifesto and if you've ever never read ready player one by ernst klein i would suggest reading it the book was published in 2011 and it's still in the top 10 list for best-selling books and best-selling audiobooks like you know, nine years later. So this book is handed out to all new employees at Oculus. So from interns to people who are just working at the company, this book is given to this, like to the new employee along with the employee handbook. And you have to read this book before you can start working there. And that's just because like this book pretty well talks about sort of how like what virtual reality is going to morph into and uh, this is probably one of my favorite books i've read it like half a dozen times i've listened to the audiobook like twice because it's read by will wheaton and he has just like a really good voice uh in terms of just being able to chill and like listen uh he's done armada by ernst klein too which is like his second book but has nothing to do with like ready player one I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, if you've never read the book, I don't want to give you any spoilers or anything like that, but it's sort of, it's like this 3D virtual reality world that takes all the, like, the popular things from other video games. So if you say MMORPGs, like World of Warcraft, uh, Star Wars, The Old Republic, Guild Wars, you know, all these sort of deep RPG worlds, you know, you have to pay monthly subscriptions for them. And cumulatively over time, uh, the user base is declining. And, and that's why, like, a lot of them have in, embraced, like, the free-to-play mechanic where you can play for free up into such a point or you have, like, some sort of, like, limitations on how many items you can have, uh, how much gold, and, and, and things like that. But the um, Ready Player One was kind of like, well, what we can see is that instead of playing those games simultaneously, subscribing to this, subscribing to that, subscribing to that... 
you just bring all those games into a virtual reality world. So you can go to the World of Warcraft planet. You can go to the Guild Wars planet. You can go to the Star Wars like planet. And whatever items that you got from those planets would carry with you planet to planet to different places. So you can get like a suit of magical armor from uh, World of Warcraft and get some like Han Solo blaster pistol from Star Wars. And then your character looks like totally unique totally interesting uh but i mean that's like the mechanic of being in a 3d world i'm more or less interested in what it's going to be like reading and that's something that ready player one never exists like really explained they kind of mentioned that you know people would be going to school in 3d because you know with global warming and like all this craziness like happening in the world it's pretty easy to uh, for rich people to get homeschooled and have their own tutors, but like for the rest of us, um, especially if you live in urban places and you go to a crappy school that are overcrowded, the teachers can't afford basic materials, there's constant cutbacks in education, whereas like if you start like an educational type thing in virtual reality, I mean, you have everything digitally available to you. And why you, do you need a pencil when you could just, like, just write on, like, a notepad and you don't need pencils? You don't need to bring all this stuff, like, with you. So I, I, I kind of think that, like, virtual reality is kind of, like, the future of, like, everything, uh, including reading. But I still don't really know how reading is going to be handled. So thanks for listening to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. We, today we've talked about all these new e-readers that are coming out. I'm kind of stoked to see uh, what the reception will be like for the Rose Gold or the Champagne Gold Kindle Oasis 2. Uh, there's a lot of people that are really interested in this. It's really kind of the first time that Amazon has ever said, hey, we're going to offer another color option. They've all done graphite black. I mean, if you look at the e-reader industry in general, everything is graphite black. Um, may, most sometimes like the back of the case will be a different color, but in essence, they'll all be black and that's, they do it because like an e-paper screen and black text, if you have a black border, it helps the text pop. So this rose gold model will have gold accents on the side and gold on the back. It'd be like $30 extra because they're not doing the eight gig model. They're doing like the 32 gig models, like baseline. So you'll have more storage for your books, which is kind of cool. And I hope that Amazon does this as like a trend for all of their models. Uh, right now, it's not too sure when markets actually have this. It's, I know it's the U.S. I know it's Germany. I know it's the U.K. Um, if you have like, you know, if you live in another country and you know it's a rose gold option, drop a comment below. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Greater Radio Show. My name is Michael, and everybody, take care.